Father's Day. <laughs> I wanted to say that um, and, and give you a little bit of the background of Mother's Day. Some of you may not know, but I, I can read Wikipedia. Um, beginning in 1905, the year that her mother died, Anna Jarvis began a national campaign to bring recognition to motherhood of all things. Motherhood, a position in society that we can all admit is often underappreciated. Amen? It's okay to say amen. Amen? It wasn't until 1914 that President Woodrow Wilson formally established Mother's Day as a national holiday. And in one form or another, Mother's Day is actually celebrated all around the world. In almost every country, there is a celebration of Mother's Day. It is a wonderful cultural tradition, and while Hallmark maybe over-commercializes it like everything, um, we are just super grateful for our mothers. Um, All of us have mothers. Some are here. Some have gone on. Um, But we want to give thanks this morning to God for our mothers. And just like other holidays, Mother's Day can be painful. It can be painful for some. Just last weekend, our family traveled to Mississippi for the homegoing of my mom's mom, my grandmother, Leota Cardwell. She was 95 years old. And so our family celebrated her life and mourned her death. And one of the qualities that as I was able to lead the funeral, lead the sermon in the funeral, one of the qualities that many people talked about and that I brought out in that message was the love that she had in her life. The love, I actually used her name as an acrostic, Leota, L was love. I know it's silly, but she was a teacher, so forgive me for that. She had a love that was tangible. It was a love that was born out of her deep trust in the Lord and the love that he has for her. Like all mothers, she was flawed, sinful. But because of God's grace in her heart, she was a beacon of love. And it was just something that really shined in that time that we had together. That's what we're going to meditate on this morning. Not my grandmother, don't worry. (laughs) We're going to meditate on the love of God. And so y'all have been going through a study of John's gospel, and this morning we're going to take a little uh, detour from John's gospel and go over to one of his letters, um, to, the, to the letter of 1 John. So if you have a Bible, I don't think we have a screen today, so turn in your analog version of the scripture or uh, your digital copy on your phone and open up to John, 1 John chapter 4. Uh, we'll be reading verses 7 through 12. It's also printed for you in your bulletin. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scripture which calls us to, to, to view and to grasp your love. And we pray that it would penetrate our hearts today. That we would be gripped by your love for us. That it might turn us toward loving one another. Lord, send your spirit to enlighten our hearts Some of us are weary today. Some of us are distracted. Some of us maybe don't even want to be here. Lord, give us a glimpse of your glory in and through your word, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Love is a word that means committed, devoted, self-giving. It's not to be confused with love that's just a feeling, right? It's not just this, this come and go kind of, I was in love and now I'm out of love, a feeling. It's not that kind of love. It's a, it's a devoted, a committed kind of love, a decided kind of love, a working, a moving kind of love. And in this passage, we see that love moves, and it moves in Primarily these two directions, okay? It moves down, love comes down, and then love goes where? What do you think? Out, yeah, or around, right? It goes out. Love comes down and love goes out. Let's look first at how love comes down. And I want you to just think about the world that we live in. The, the world that we live in is dead to love. We do not just naturally put the interest of others above ourselves, naturally. We demonize other people. We hold on to hatred in our hearts. I mean, just watch the evening news. Read the comments on Facebook. No, don't do that. Don't read the comments. I mean, just watch children on the playground or at the pool like yesterday, and you will see that love is absent in so much of this world. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. And so if love is absent in the world, love has to come from somewhere, and that's why the apostle tells us that love comes down. Look back at the scripture with me in verse 7. And I love how he starts this beloved Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love doesn't know God, because God is love. God is love. Let's first talk about what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God is only love. The Bible also tells us that God is righteous. God is just. 
So his love is not just easygoing, permissive love, like a doting grandfather who lets the grandkids get away with anything. That's not God's love. It's not like that. God's love is solid. It's determined. It's secure. As Psalm 136 says over and over, his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. God is love means that God continually gives himself to others. God continually seeks their good and their benefit. The Bible tells us that this quality of God's nature is eternal. God is love. Not just in his relation to creation, but God is love in relation to himself. Eternally, before time existed, God is love. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he prayed this prayer. Remember, Father, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Think about that. God is love before the foundation of the world. And so you see, God is uniquely capable of being love because of his triune nature. God the Father, eternally loving God the Son, God the Spirit. One God, three persons. A mystery, yes, but in his essence, love. God is love. And love came down to us from God. God shared his love with us. John says, whoever has been born of God and knows God. If someone truly loves, they have been born of God. That is a definitive statement. Have been born of God. We can only truly begin to love when we are loved by God, when we are born of God, or as John said in John, John's gospel, what? Born, John 3, you must be born again. Thank you. We're going to talk back a little bit. You must be born again. It, it's got to come from outside of you. Nobody caused themselves to be born, right? The love of God has to come down to us. We don't, we don't do it ourselves. Let me give you an illustration of this. During the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, 1,500 Americans lost an arm or a leg or both in combat. 1,500 An incredible amount of Americans were injured in this terrible way during the battle or or, or driving down the road. A lot of these were the result of improvised explosive devices or IEDs. Most of the soldiers received prosthetics, artificial arm or leg. But did you read about Marine Sergeant John Peck? Anybody hear of Marine Sergeant John Peck? you got to Google him, not right now, wait until after service. I have a picture of him up there, so you'll have to use your imagination. 
John Peck lost all four of his limbs in Afghanistan. And he didn't receive prosthesis. He received a double arm transplant. Amazing. A double arm transplant. It is incredible what doctors can do today. Sam and I were talking earlier about what doctors can do. It's an incredible gift from God. And this team of surgeons, this this highly trained team of surgeons had to come together in this one uh, surgical event to make this happen, to to do a double arm transplant, to reconnect the, the arteries and veins and tendons and nerves. And once the arm is attached, or the arms are attached, blood begins to flow into the once dead limb, and it regains its fleshy appearance. And through lots of physical therapy, John has been able to use his arms that were given to him by a donor. The newly attached nerves begin to regenerate, and the patient is given a new lease on life. Being born of God means being united to Christ. And just like the dead arm begins to have the lifeblood of the patient coursing through its veins, a Christian is someone who comes to life when they are connected to Jesus through faith. Do you see that? That the dead soul that we are all born into this world with comes alive when God's love comes down to us through Christ. We put our faith in him and his life begins to move through us. His love begins to course through our veins. God doesn't love us abstractly, theoretically, no. John tells us exactly how the love of God came down to us. Look with me at verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He writes, the love of God has been manifest. What does that mean? It means it's made real. It's made tangible. It's revealed. It's in the flesh. That's how God's love came to us. It came in the flesh. Someone tells you they love you, but they never come and spend any time with you. That's not love. Love has to be manifest. That's how God loved us. God sent his one and only son, the eternal second person of the Godhead, down to the world. So that we might live through him. We, who were alienated from God. We, who had become his enemies because of our rebellion and our sin. God so loved while we were still sinners, as we read earlier today. John says that Jesus came so that we might live through him. And if we live through him, then there is no other way for us to get 
back to a relationship with God except through him. And yet we try. We try. We, we try to be good. We try to build up our own goodness and our own record to say, God, why don't you accept me a little more than that person over there? Let me give you an illustration. I want you to imagine a group of people lining up for an insane long jump competition. The contest is insane because they're trying to jump from California to Hawaii. Sounds impossible, right? People try to do impossible things all the time, don't they? And the prize is a million dollars. So, of course, people are lining up on this specially designed dock that extends out to the edge of the beach and just beyond. And people take turns running as hard as they can and leaping as far as they can. And most people make it only a few feet, six or seven. Splash. The best jumpers get 20, 21 feet. And then I want you to imagine that a limousine pulls up. And in the limousine is the world record holder for the long jump. He steps out, takes off his coat, gets himself ready. He steps up to the dock. Every, the, a hush goes over the crowd. Will he make it? Will he make it? He's the best in the world. He's the best man that we've got. He stretches out. He runs full speed, takes a leap, and reaches an incredible 29.5 feet, breaking his own world record. But like all the others, of course, he splashes down into the cold water below. We spend so much of our lives jumping off of a dock. We spend so much of our lives trying to justify ourselves for who we are, that we're good people, making good grades to impress our parents, trying to be the best in our field, to get better opportunities, to reach that point where we can finally say, I've made it, all the striving was worth it. We all want to feel worth something. And we define that worth by our own striving, don't we? By how good we've done. And brothers and sisters, I would submit to you that even the very best and brightest, even the most obedient will splash down in the end. Our worth, our life, our value cannot come from us. They must come down to us from God. That is what Jesus' life gives us. His life gives us not an example to follow, not only an example to follow, but His life gives us a life. Actually, a life for a life. His life, his life of perfect love. His life of perfect obedience becomes what the apostle here says is a propitiation for our sins. Now this is an SAT word. 
that means atoning sacrifice. Some of your Bibles may say that. A propitiation, an atoning sacrifice. Jesus offered up his life, which came down from God, to satisfy God's justice. Demanding that our sin be punished with death. And so Jesus' death took away, atoned for the wrath of God. And left us, who believe in him by faith, with a life of love that is ours as a gift, as a free gift that none of us us live up to in our own lives. But through faith in Christ, we get that gift. We get that life. We get that life of love that we all need, that we all want. We get it through faith, given to us freely by God's grace. And once we get connected to Jesus... Once we get connected to Jesus, his love begins to to flow through us. Look with me at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Love not only comes down, but love goes out. John says, if God so loved us, we also ought to do what? Love one another. And his love is perfected in us. Now, perfected doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean that God's love is incomplete and it needs something more. We've already talked about that. It means that his love is made complete. His love is made complete in us. It is the end for which he loved us that we might love one another. And so as we receive the love of God, as we believe and and daily meditate and, and understand and comprehend the love of God, we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to grow in love toward one another. His love pulsing through our veins, giving us life that we might go out and use those arms for good, use those arms to to embrace one another. And even our neighbors, even, as Jesus said, our enemies. I want us quickly to think about two ways that God has loved us that we might love others, okay? Just in conclusion, these two ways that, that God has loved us, two aspects of God's love for us to imitate. The first one is this. Love must be unconditional. Laurie and I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee on our honeymoon. That was a mistake. It was nice, but it's very touristy. We were walking up, and I'm going to explain why it was a mistake. Okay, Maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was just us. <laughs> it, was probably, it was probably just us. 
we were walking up and down Main Street, checking out the overpriced shops, when a lady came up to us and said, my company has these extra tickets to Dollywood and to the aquarium. We're giving them out for free. Are you interested? We were newlyweds. Laurie was a a new teacher. I was a new youth pastor. So financially speaking, we were interested. So the lady handed us a card. And when I read the card, it wasn't a ticket, but it had an address for where we could go pick up the tickets. This was before cell phones, believe it or not. This was before GPS. So we got out our map and drove to the location. It was about 30 minutes away. It should have been our first clue, right? We should have been like, what are we getting into? We should probably turn around. When we got there, we were ushered into a conference room with about 10 other unassuming couples. And we were given this sales pitch for timeshare properties. You knew it was coming, right? Oh, if I had the wisdom that I have today. Three and a half hours later, I'm not making this up. After touring the properties, commiserating with the others, and repeatedly declining what they were selling, we were given the, quote, free tickets. The free gift was not really free. Can I get an amen? There were strings attached. And in our fallen world, this is how relationships work. This is how love works. In our world, there's always strings attached to love. But God's love is unconditional. It doesn't depend on how good you are, what you've done. It's unconditional. Um, A friend of mine in in our church, he's he's been looking for a place, had been looking for a place to stay. And finally, one of his relatives, his uncle, said, hey, you can come crash on my couch. I thought, great, that's great. That's a great solution. Families providing for each other, loving one another. Then he told me two days later that his uncle was going to charge him to stay on his couch for just a few days that he was there. Love, with strings attached, is not love. Some of us had fathers who tried their best to love us, but it might have been dependent on whether or not you cleaned your room. It might have been dependent on whether or not you got that home run. Relationship with strings attached. Some of us are in relationships now, friendships, where as long as we're holding up our end of the deal, everything's great. But as soon as you lose your job or have a bad day or something goes wrong, all bets are off. They're drudging up old things that you did 10 years ago. And Remember when you did this and that? Love with strings attached, is not what God calls us to. It's not what God gives us in the gospel. God gives us unconditional love, and that, brothers and sisters, is what we are called to, unconditional love, love without strings attached. So let us turn from that in our own lives. Turn from those, let those, snip those strings, okay? Think about the ways that we can love one another more fully. The, the last and final way, uh, thing that I want to comment here is that God's love is active. 
It is not a passive love. Like I said before, it's not theoretical. It is active. It is a love that moves, a love that comes down. It's a love that comes after us right where we are. It doesn't wait for a decision or an agreement. It is a love that hotly pursues us even in our sin. And so I want us to think about how our love can be active. Just like God's love is active, let's, I'm going to give you some practical ideas for how we can love one another, practically speaking, in an active and not passive way. One idea. Pray for each other. I thought we were talking about love. There is no better way to kindle love than to pray for someone. Pray for one another. Make a list. Start with five people and, and, and go through and pray for one another. Send a text message to one another when you've prayed for somebody. Just shoot them a quick text. Start with me. Pray for me today and shoot me a text and let me know that you prayed for me. I need your prayers. <laughs> Another one is Find a way outside of your clique. We all have cliques. You know what I mean by cliques? It's our inner circle, right? So, so we all have an inner circle, and that's good. We need close relationships. We do. But God didn't stay in his inner circle, did he? No. God was perfectly fine without us. He was happy without us. But God's love came down. You see that? And so God wants you to break out of your little trinity, Okay, and I don't just mean that figuratively. I mean it literally. Break out of the trinity of relationships, the little small groups that we form with our family and our closest friends, and let's, let's go out of that group. And, and start here. Start in this room. Okay, I'm not telling you to like, run off to China necessarily, but start here. Invite a less-known church member for dinner, someone that you don't know that well, Make the phone call. Invite them to dinner. Sit around the table. Get to know each other a little better. Love one another as God has loved us. Another one is to be listening. Okay? Like, open your ears. And when you're going about your life at work or around the church or in your neighborhood, even in your own family, listen. Listen for needs. Listen for financial, emotional, social needs. And if it is in your power, if God has given you the, the blessing, then bless, meet the need, if you can. If it's in your power to do so, ask God for help. Lord, I would like to help with this financial need. Help me. Give me the resources to meet this need, and then meet it. Bless someone. That's a practical way to love as God loves, by meeting a need. God's met our needs, so we can love one another as he's loved us. Maybe someone's lonely. Maybe you've noticed. Meet that need for friendship. And if you don't have the capacity, which none of us really do, ask God for help. God, I want to befriend this person over here. Help me. Give me space in my life so I can be a friend to so-and-so. Love one another. Seek forgiveness. Ask God to show you if there's any offensive way in you. As the psalmist, Psalm 139, 
ask God, Lord, show me, how, who have I offended? Is there somebody out there I've offended? And if, and if God reveals that to you, gives you awareness of that, go to that person and seek forgiveness. Because as long as we're mad at each other, we'll never love each other. So seek forgiveness and seek to give forgiveness. The last one is the hardest. Those were hard. You're like, those were hard. <laughs> this one's really hard, I know. In our culture, it's very hard. Um, and it's the show hospitality. I asked John Mark, what was one thing you're trying to do, you're, you're, as a pastor, you're trying to help with in the church, trying to get people to grow in, in, in their growing in grace. And this is what he said. He said, I would love for people to set aside time to invite their neighbors over. Just have a meal together. Get to know them. Love their neighbors. That's what he said. And so I'm sharing it with you. I'm, I'm sure you've heard him say it too. But show hospitality. Love your neighbors by setting aside one day a month or one day a quarter. Start easy and invite over your neighbors for, for dinner. Hospitality doesn't mean cloth napkins, y'all. It means loving strangers. That's what it means, literally. Loving strangers. So I encourage you um, through God's word, through the power, the, 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 the love that, that Jesus is pulsing through your life, like those arms pulsing through your life right now. Tap into that love by faith and let his love fill you and overflow into the lives of others around you for God's glory. That God would look at this community, look at our community and say, wow, my people are loving one another as I have loved them. And y'all, it will be attractive to our community. Our community, which has a really hard time with love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have sent and made your love tangible through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that through him we have forgiveness we have a new life. We have his love coursing through our veins. And Lord, I pray that you would take each life here today. For those who are believing in you, Lord, that they would, um, they would allow you by faith to work out this love in their lives in new ways. And Lord, I pray for those who have not yet believed in you. That even today, Lord, you would awaken them to the love that is available that we would not have to seek our own approval, but that we could just simply receive your perfect approval through faith in Christ. Lord, do that work in all of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.